The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. It's AM Springfield. We say good morning. Scott Dahl, head of Springfield Convention Business Bureau. Good How morning, are you? Sam. Good morning, Sam. Good. What type of state fair? What would you think? Uh, good overall. Um, I was there the first five days okay. uh, of the fair. I'm typically there every day, um, but um, my mom had taken a fall and taken Ooh. a turn to the worst. So um, I spent the uh, rest of the state fair uh, two hours north of here. And, uh, you know, uh, with how family. is she doing? Unfortunately, she passed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I apologize. I didn't know that. That's okay. No, no I should have known that. I, maybe these guys mentioned it to me and I, I apologize. How old was she? 74. What did the uh, fall just it, was she at home or what? Yeah, she was just at home. And she had some underlying issues. Okay. And so uh, that just accelerated those issues. And so, um, you know, we're dealing with that. So, you know, obviously sorry to miss the uh, the fair. Well, the fair is much totally unimportant. Absolutely. But, you know. Uh, life um, comes at you fast, right, Sammy? Uh, in 94, first year doing the PA. And the Monday, bear with me on this, but the first Monday of the fair, I told my brother Tom, dad had been battling some cancer. And we thought that it was okay. And I said, Dad, I'll pick you up Monday morning. Go out. We're going to ride in a golf cart. Never done that. I went to the fair every day. And uh, Monday morning, my brother Tom called and said, you better go check on Dad. Well, he was completely discombobulated. Went to the hospital. He died the following Thursday. And you talk about putting a damper on a state fair. I mean, even the people out there said, take a couple days off. I did come back, I think, on Sunday the last... Uh, maybe I needed that just to get away from what was going on in my life. You needed that yeah, little getting away from everything that you were dealing with, the you know, the funeral arrangements and so on and so forth. It does it does put things in perspective, my friend. It does. It really yeah. does. It does. All right. What are we going? Well, you've got uh, some good report to tell me about, you know, I take issue with not you, <laughs> not Scott, economic <laughs> impacts. I know because I think there are a lot of assumptions made. But having said that, and I know there's a formula. These guys mm-hmm. pointed out to me there's a formula. Do you use that same, or does everybody use that same standard formula? So the information we receive comes from the Illinois Office of Tourism. The Illinois Office of Tourism. They do. Okay. So they, they provide uh, these results for us. Uh, in 2022, we saw $536 million in travel expenditures, a record okay. for Sagamon County. Okay. Uh, it's our second record uh, since 2019, obviously 2021. <laughs> I went the other way, but... Yeah, you know, Sam, I'm kind of, I'm with you. Uh, you know, you have direct, indirect, induced. Um, you know, we always quote direct. Direct are are the needs of the traveler, right? The lodging, the restaurants, uh, transportation. Those are the direct impacts. Uh, the indirect would be something like retail, you know, because it's not a need of that traveler. Uh, but they're likely spend retail attractions, et cetera. And then induced are really just, that's the money produced by the uh, hotel employees, uh, the people in the travel sector, uh, that are living and working uh, in the community. How are we doing on motel occupancy rate right now in Springfield? Or the, yeah, in Springfield? Yeah, we're back to 2019 levels. Really? Yes. And we've seen Wait, no, you try, Is that right. 60%, 70% on any given night? That's where about 57%. That's what year to date. Is that industry what pretty consistent? You were in that business before you became the tourism person. Yeah, no, that's that's very consistent. I mean, remember we have almost four thousand hotel rooms in the city of Springfield. That means we we rent about eight hundred thousand room nights a year. Put that in perspective. So yeah, we we do well in the city, and our average daily rate uh, has skyrocketed. 
since we saw the state lodging rate increase from 70 to $85 just a couple of years ago. And that's actually going to $98 uh, in January. Uh, when you talk about the rates and so on and so forth, okay, 57%. Do we still need the Wyndham up and running? Well, absolutely. No, yeah, we want to see the Wyndham as a convention hotel. Okay. Uh, you know, we've obviously been at least discussing or floating the idea of a BOS Center expansion. These new tourism improvement sure. districts are, are going to allow at least an opportunity to take a look at that. That's very exciting. Uh, you know, we've had a 60% goal uh, since 2018. We've, we've put that out there early. All right. Uh, you know, we ran into some bumps in 20 and 21. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're heading that direction. And, you know, we talk about sports tourism. We talk about expanding our convention uh, business. We talk about what's happening at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. Uh, obviously, the state coming back uh, at, at larger levels for the General Assembly. Very, very important for us to kick off the year. Uh, we, we will threaten that 60% uh, goal. And I think that at some point, maybe 26 we go 70%. I haven't heard much about the Wyndham lately. What can you share? Are there negotiations going on? Has the owner been to Springfield? Are they looking for a new buyer for his property? What's going on with the Wyndham? All of a sudden, I don't hear much. Yeah, you know, we're. I'm leaving that to Mayor Busher. Uh, you know, she's done a great job, uh, you know, since coming on and being elected. And, you know, I'm, I'm leaving that up to them, leaving that really up to the policymakers. Uh, you know, I provide the information and, and what the impacts will be on conventions, uh, but I also provide them with what I believe we can move forward with conventions and, and how we can become, uh, you know, a, a tier two or tier one city. How would you assess it? You know, I, somebody asked me the other day, what's the early returns on Misty Busher? And I said, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. She brings a lot of enthusiasm. She, and hard work. She is there early and stays late. You see her everywhere, everywhere she needs to be and places that surprise me. But she is absolutely, she's energized. She really is up and running. I, now, you may not like the results, and I'm not sure what the results are. We'll see. But at the moment, boy, she is just really, she's full throttle involved in this mayor's job. 100% all oh, in. Oh, my. 100%. And, you know, she's off to a great start. And, you know, I appreciate the conversations that we had. Sure. And she just wants, she wants us to elevate tourism. And so, you know, I've laid out some plans for her uh, and she's been very supportive. Where was the big increase as far as what you were talking about and percentage and where the money came from? Was it housing? Was it restaurants? You you can get a good read on on hotel rooms because they report exactly. Well, and that's really what we base it on. Again, Sam, I'm with you. You know, you can have all the reports you want. You can you can say how many, you know, how much travel expenditures are out there. But we look at hotel occupancy. That's really our gauge at the Bureau. We want to see more room nights sold. But remember, we receive 3% of the local hotel tax. So, you know, the more rooms we rent, uh, the more money, obviously, we have for destination marketing. We say good morning to Ryan McCready. We'll combine the two guys today. They're both very much in the forefront of what's going on. With Ryan, we're going to talk about Sports Park. Okay. Uh, that's what I expected. Not, yeah, huh? That's what I expected. Well, I, I, <laughs> that's somebody, what we sent you. And that's right. That's usually, I don't usually follow the script, but it does say uh, Shield Sports Complex. That's right. Yep. All right. Now, I'm going to start off, and I don't know where direction you want to go. I mentioned the other day an alderman sent me a statement about the meeting and said uh, something to the effect that, if you really want to know the truth, 
listen to what Ryan McCrady said at the council meeting about what the challenges were dealing with the Shields complex. I read that, the and I said, from an alderman, not Sam, it didn't make any difference. Some lady calls downstairs to the switchboard, tells the new young woman down there, very upset, very upset uh, that statement was read. Uh, I, again, I, it came from an alderman. When you made the statement, and I didn't hear it, I did not read it, I apologize. Give me a little history. Where did this thing, in your estimation, what has taken it so long? Because people tell me that the previous administration was all on board. Well, a couple of things. I, I haven't seen the statement from the alderman, and I that's a portion of your show that I missed. I heard there was a statement read. A couple of things. There have been some media outlets in town, not this one, that have taken the conversation at the council meeting last Tuesday night and stretched it someplace that wasn't really okay. applicable. Thank you. Okay, so let me clear something up. The conversation Tuesday night was about the business district. And the reason I went to the meeting was the Tuesday prior to that, some of the council members were said several times during the meeting, why didn't the developer bring the business district forward sooner? And so I felt like we needed to be there to answer that question. That's a fair question. Um, I did not realize they weren't going to be informed on that, so I would have been there that night, but I showed up Tuesday night. Everything I said Tuesday night was related only to the business district, okay? Uh, One of the council members point blank asked, why didn't we know this needed to get done? I believe I said, when you say we, do you mean the city? Do you mean the council members? He mentioned the city, and I mentioned that, you know, this this concept of making a change to the business district was talked about three years ago when we had our first conversations with the previous administration about the sports complex. But the other thing I was trying to communicate to you tonight, and apparently I didn't do a great job of it, was that the business district and the sports complex are two separate things, okay? The business district is one of the items that is part of the development of the sports complex. But the business district's much bigger than Shields, much bigger than the sports complex. The new business district wraps in property all the way up to Wabash Avenue. Right. And what the business district does is it creates an extra 1% tax that goes back to pay for infrastructure. Now, the way infrastructure gets built in a development like, let's say we roll back the clock completely before Shields is there. Sure. That development's going to require infrastructure, right? we got to extend utilities, water, sewer, roads, traffic lights, all this stuff. When a development like that comes to your town, someone's going to build that infrastructure. Sometimes it's the governmental body, sometimes the developer. Now, our experience tells us that when the developer is getting ready to build something like a Shields store, that you can do a lot of value engineering with those contractors to go ahead and have them build the infrastructure to to city standards. So instead of the developer doing their work and the city doing a bunch of work with somebody else to build infrastructure, it's going to be cheaper if it's all designed together. So the business district allows the developer to design and build the infrastructure and just get reimbursed. So any money that comes back to the developer as a business district doesn't actually go to the developer. Developers just get reimbursed what they spent to the contractor who built the infrastructure that was designed and approved by the city. That's all that conversation Tuesday night. Now, 
one news outlet said a delay on the sports, the whole delay on the sports complex is Langfelder's fault. I never said that Tuesday night. I was talking about the business district issue itself. Okay. The entire sports complex is probably one of them. It is the most complicated project I've ever worked on as an economic developer. Why? Because it's being done in Springfield in a way that it's never been done anywhere else. Okay. So typically a city or park district would borrow $90 million and build a sports complex and basically put the dice in the cup and roll them and hope it worked out. All right. And then the city and the governmental bodies paying all the bonds and you got your fingers crossed that this thing's going to work and other money's going to come in to make it cover it. That's how it's typically done. When I was the city manager, I had several proposals to do that and turned them all down. We hear a lot about Mattoon. Is that what's being done in Mattoon? Uh, it's yes, it's being done much differently. The city is uh, much more involved well, financially. They're issuing a bond through okay. an organization like the Growth Alliance. Okay, okay, but it's still a publicly sure put together project. This is a, a private development, and so it's much different for a private developer to go out and get that financing and put it together. Okay, so it takes more time to get that done. We also went into a situation where we saw rapidly rising interest rates. So that's that's going to impact. The banking industry continues to change. We had some banks start to go bad. That changes the banking look at it. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that go into it. It's a complicated project, and it's the, the way it's being financed. The other thing is when you go to your local banks for a project like this, they can't go down the street and say, how did this project just like this operate? It's a, it's a whole new concept from the banks that are looking at it also. Let me ask you this. The developer, mm-hmm. he doesn't own Shields. He's not going to own or operate the sports complex. Am I right? Aren't they going to hire somebody yeah. to do that? When does you, he do that or who does that? And how does he make a profit on his investment? So when you say the word the developer, that's where it gets tricky okay. because there's lots of parts to it. Once well, again, I, I, okay. once again, you have the sports complex right. and you have the rest of the development. Right. So, I, I, I'm going to talk about uh, Steve Luker in particular had a partner, Mr. Furling. Mr. Furling has unfortunately passed away. He's no longer involved. Those are the people I thought that were the, the developers. Yeah, so Steve Luker is the developer. Okay of all of Legacy Point Complex. All right. The sports complex is a portion of that inside of it. Right. So Steve Luker and a team of investors and partners are developing the sports complex. I see. Okay. And then that they will hire a firm to operate that sports complex. That is sports facilities companies. uh, It is the biggest one in the country that operates those. So they will operate those. So, you know, their profit will come from specifically from the sports complex if it shows throws off an operating profit. The challenging thing about sports complexes is that they're not entirely profitable by themselves. But the development nearby will also create a, a return for developers of all the other property around it. And that's one of the challenges with the sports complex. And that's why cities or park districts usually do it because them themselves aren't entirely profitable it's all the development from around that area that, that is, is where the big return is, too. You feel comfortable, Ryan, that as of this date, that all the financing is now ready, available. There are no more I's to dot, T's to cross. Everything is ready to go both in the ground and vertical in the very near future. 
Yes, I do. But I also want the public to understand there's going to be additional votes to come before the city council. Okay. And it's not because the developers get any more money. It's because of the legal requirements about when they can vote on items. I see. So, for example, they have, will have to vote to approve issuing bonds for the business district. When we can't vote on issuing the bonds for the business district, the business district is not created. The mayor can't sign off on that or herself. You know, there's once the financing is, we get those commitments, you know, all, all done, they'll tweak the developer's agreement to match up with the bond issuance. So there's going to be a series of, of, of votes that are still going before the city council. It's not new money for the developer. It's entirely predictable and entirely expected. But if you don't understand the process, it does look like they're still coming back to the city council. Ryan McCready, so I want people to understand that. You, uh, Ryan, um, Scott Dahl, you and Ryan McCready were very close on this. Uh, and if it gets done, we hope it does, because I think it is going to be a tremendous financial. Do you think, again, I've mentioned this before, Ryan, you can also... Did we get them to the dance too late? Are we still okay? Because we're competing now against a lot of places that are up and going. What makes you think that Springfield will change the game? A lot of those people are going elsewhere will now decide to come to the Shield Sports Complex. Well, we are not too late. And as as Ryan mentioned, uh, most of the time these are municipally owned is because the money's made outside of the sports park itself, right? So those are those direct traveler expenditures we're talking about. And so that's the reason why they're typically municipally owned. Um, and they're generally managed locally as well. And I think there's a huge advantage for us to have SFC, the number one, not only management of ownership group for sports facilities in the country, uh, being right here in Springfield. Uh, we will work closely with them as well. But I, I am uh, absolutely 100% guaranteed that um, you know, we will see the teams coming through here. And when you see your first 100-team tournament, uh, I think Springfield's going to feel this. They're going to go, wow, this is what you were talking about. Because remember, at one time, people said, well, we already have facilities in Springfield. We we already have enough here. Uh, We were saying at the same time, no, we don't. This is true sports tourism. You start thinking about a 120-team soccer tournament coming to town. None of those 10-year-old kids drive themselves uh, to the tournament. They bring their parents, their families. There's, what, 10 or more kids on each team. The other thing about our sports complex, and the reason we're not too late to the game, is you know I hear people say, well, they already have one in Peoria. They do Louisville Slugger. They already have one in Rantoul. They do. And those are nice complexes. Uh, my understanding of the Peoria one, it's, most, it's just baseball and softball. And they do have a dome structure. What's way different about this one is it's multi-sports. It's baseball. It's softball. It's soccer. It's lacrosse. It's whatever new sport they dream up for us to play after we bought all, all, all the equipment for the other sports that we play. Um, it's, it's a multifaceted facility that can run 12 months out of the year. The 250,000 square foot dome structure can have baseball, softball, basketball, pickleball, volleyball going on. It makes it a lot different. This one is much bigger than what you're seeing in other places too. So it's a very, very unique facility and that's, what's going to help. Final question, guys, Ryan, Mm -hmm. what's going to be the first vertical people see? We know the groundbreaking. What is going to be the first structure people will see? I'm not a construction expert, but okay. I can tell you the information that I had. The first thing you're going to see, though, is you're going to see surface and subsurface work going okay. on before before uh, what winter sets in. My understanding is there's a focus on getting the dome structure up as soon as possible. Okay, and that's because it gen- starts generating those 12 month a year tournaments. Next summer, you're going to start seeing the turf go in, so you're going to see work on that dome structure, a couple of the buildings. 
along with the surface work going on. And then going into next summer, they'll be stretching the turf, is what I understand right now. Basketball now, courts, volleyball courts will all be indoors. That's right. They'll be inside the dome. Right? Inside, inside the dome. So dome, the dome will side. be high priority. Yes, it is. Scott, have you heard the same thing? I have, yes. Okay. The dome first, uh, followed by the fields. And, and and I want to point out that we've got relationships with right holders that we've been developing over the last 10 years. Terry Truman, our sales manager, has been working this market for 10 years in right. anticipation that we were going to have oh, okay. facilities. So right. they're there. And along with SFC, uh, that's a one-two punch that I think is going to put our location in the spotlight as well. And remember, we're a cultural destination as well. So off the field, there's plenty to do. So, again, I think this is a home run. Uh, I can't wait to get started. I know my team is excited about it. Uh, those relationships are there. People have been asking as we've been going to these these sports trade shows, when are you guys going to open up? When you open up? They cannot wait. So, very excited. Ryan, I appreciate final comment. Ryan, please. Yeah, I you know, um, I'm no stranger to this community or central Illinois. I've been, my career has been spent here. The entire time across my all my career in public in public type positions, people have told me this is never going to happen and that's never going to happen. Um, if I was knocked off center by, by doing that, you would never even know who Ryan McCready was. Okay, um, I can put you in a car and drive you around Central Illinois and show you all the things that are never going to happen. All right, the Growth Alliance has been a supporter of this project since the day these developers walked in my office, my second day on the job in May of 2020. And the reason we're behind this is it can work. It's working other places. It's a new concept here. But the way this is put together is very unique. Just don't forget District 186 students are going to play out at this facility too. The most state-of-the-art facilities you get your hands on, our school students are going to get to play and participate out there. It's not just for someone to come in out of town and enjoy. It's for us to enjoy, too. This is going to create an economic return like we've never seen before. And that's why we have we've just kept our shoulder behind this and kept pushing. And I'm confident we're going to get there because this community can do tough things. We can do hard things here. We just have to challenge ourselves. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Thanks for what you're doing for the community. We look forward to a year from now when things are really people are going to be Convinced you guys got it done. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Take a break. Be back. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.